and welcome to another edition of our 2022 World Cup breakdown for Qatar. And this time, we are covering Qatar. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. The hosts, I guess not a lot of people know much about them as a footballing nation. I believe they're one place behind the Republic of Ireland in the FIFA rankings. Tough run for Ireland. So that could tell you a fair bit. In terms of how much you know, you've heard a lot about Qatar in the press <laughs> over the last however long. People haven't focused on the call it their football, weirdly. This is what I want to say here in, oh, no. in, in the best way possible. Um, we're going to focus on the positives here. So <laughs> on a Monday is usually where we would be slightly more cynical. I've got some interesting trivia for you. Um, to be honest, I think the other side of the trivia has been pretty well covered by the media, if, well, you, if you can call it trivia. I'll tell you what they've not covered in 2020, Qatar was declared the safest country in the world for the third time. Why isn't that being mentioned? Um, men outnumber women by three to one. So uh, sausage fest at the World Cup. Yeah. There might be a reason we outnumber the women there. Remember that being a thing? Someone with a straight face would ask you before a party or a night out. It's not a mere sausage fest, is it? Like, who do you think you are, honestly? Yeah, some it was always some just fucking average looking bloke with a total sausage fest in it. Like if it wasn't, <laughs> it'd been hard with muffin up in it. But people always did it about uh if you're in like a club and it's like three AM, like, sausage fest in here. It's like, well, you know why? No girls staying out of this point. <laughs> Everyone's hanging around with the same thing that they're not gonna get. We're gonna get more girls here on your on your account. <laughs> on your account, solely you. <laughs> And there's the moment in American Pie 2 in there. They tell Jim to put his shirt on because Finn, yeah, not Finch, um, Sherman is the one going, it's not of chicks here. <laughs> um, the Arabian Oryx is Qatar's national animal. I don't know if you've seen one of these before. No. They look like a goatee looking unicorn. Blimey. Like the horns on their head are massive. Oryx is O-R-Y-X. You wouldn't want one of them running at you. Jesus, no. <laughs> what um, the hell? Yeah. My point on those things. My favourite trivia of the day, actually. Um robots are used for camel racing in Qatar. <laughs> Originally kids would be used as jockeys for the camels, but something happened in two thousand and four that caused them to change the rules completely. <laughs> I think I could probably have a guess. <laughs> I don't know how young these kids are and they're priming them. It is quite hilarious that, bearing in mind, obviously, some of the stuff that is coming to light recently, but they have deemed kids riding camels. No, no, that's too much. We can't be doing that. Well, race week is usually the one time a year where short lads will be told, you know, yeah, it's not fancy being a jockey. You think a good jockey you would at your size. <laughs> like, that's a, I feel better now. <laughs> Cheers. Um, they say if there's one dish you have to try during a visit to Qatar, it's undoubtedly makbus. The dish is made of rice, meats, onions, tomatoes, a mix of spices, and it's the national dish of Qatar. Lovely. That's all right, though. Yeah. Um, and in Qatar, one of the main attractions is a 100-meter-long buffet. Blimey. 
the Doha Marriott features this amazing buffet line where you can find every cuisine under the sun from a full English breakfast to sushi and tacos. Now, I've been to Zaza Bazaar. Yeah. I don't know. Have you been? No, I've, I've heard enough. Not what it's... There, there are people that go there more than once. I say a lot after watching Hell's Kitchen that I back my palate. I'm not backing your palate if you go re- as a regular customer to Zaza Bazaar. Well, the thing is that that is jack of all trades, isn't it? So you can't really expect them to be a master of any one. So it's all, it's kind of... I got what you expect. poisoned the first Whenever time you went. go to a restaurant, expect the smaller the menu, the better it's going to be. Because the bigger the menu is, you go, oh, this isn't going to be that Wait, great. It's, is it Swindon or Bristol? Bristol. Bristol. I so went fairly early after starting at the job where we all worked in the same building. Hmm. And um, the lad that drove me down there, one of the nicest kids you'd ever meet. And it was me, him, and the lad that rhymes with waft in the car. Also one of the nicest lads you'll ever meet. Come on. Early doors, I probably would have said so. (laughs) Now, I remember waiting for... It was a chicken burger. It was a burger of some sort. And they were doing it to order, as you'd imagine. And I remember being there. Sorry, is this at Zaza Bazaar? Yeah, yeah. So you thought you'd get a chicken burger just to really really push the boat out. Not rude, but asking, is it nearly ready? Because that sounds rude. There's so much food here. Like, I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And almost immediately, the guy just, there you go. That's concerning. (laughs) And we were probably just hit the motorway. And I remember the kid in the front saying, you're quiet. I had to tell him, if I talk, I'm probably going to shit myself. (laughs) And I had to say, he was like, oh, I'll drop. Let's have a lad off first. I'm like, you can't. He was like, you toilet. I'll I'll stop on the side. This isn't isn't one we can stop on the side of the road for. (laughs) Oh, God. And... Genuinely, the longest journey, I think, of my life. Now, I didn't think I'd be telling this story today. I pride myself as a man who's never shit himself before. <laughs> it does seem remarkable. Actually, in primary school. I did in primary school, actually. Okay. Um, and hopefully, lower this end, was about- lower end of primary school, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was 11. <laughs> the... <laughs> who we used to play football would bring up every time that I actually walked back into the class with my trousers around my ankle <laughs> to ask what do I do <laughs> um, they sent me home <laughs> yeah that'll do it um, yeah this was when you start shivering because you're that bad <laughs> and half through just feeling horrendous and half because I genuinely think I was poisoned yeah I couldn't go into work the next day and then it's one of them, you, you have to go back in and you just have to tell everyone you speak to because you know they've heard the story and you have to get in front of it. So did you, so you told them, I had to buy a chicken burger, I can't come in. So in, <laughs> on, in the way, in, in the way back, there's, there's three of us in the car and yeah, it was bad way. Like it was. No, but I mean, you, in terms of you told work, you said to work. Oh, I, I, I told, I told work that I was unwell. And then because it was one of the, where I'd been out the night before. So usually that would mean it feels bad to phone in sick yeah, because they're like, yeah, oh, you're yeah. right last night. Yeah. 
and I said, oh, I must have eaten something. You can ask them if they don't believe me. Gotcha. And the lad that was driving said, oh, I'm dying for a piss. Can, can I, I said, you can have one of mine because we cannot stop anywhere. <laughs> and I had to send him up and then I, you, uh, you can see yourself out. And I've, I've known this kid a couple of weeks. You're like, <laughs> you can see yourself out because <laughs> we're in a bad way here. Bloody hell. I don't know if this will make the final edit, but, um, it does go in with the 100-meter-long buffet. So. Yeah, look, I was about to say, how did we get here? That's how it was. So if was 100 meters, that'd be like hell to you. <laughs> I guess it's probably more than that. There's several floors there. Yeah, true. Then I did go back, and then I just barely ate anything because I knew... <laughs> I knew the first time around, why the hell am I having a curry here? There's no place <laughs> that can perfect that no. many curries in one kitchen. No, no, no. So... There we go. And then we had the dodgy buffet in Amsterdam. I got on board that. There's no problem. It's just the price of it that hurt. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I ate enough there, but there was, there was no possible way of justifying that. Watch, but watching uh, the lad's face when he first asked, like, how much how much this was going to cost. I was, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how much it was. I should remember it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? How much was you reckon? I've got a horrible feeling it's 40 euros yeah I had, 50, I had 50 in my head horrible feeling it's 40 and there's, euro there's no rightful amount you can eat to justify that no 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 it's yeah short of eating until it's literally coming back out of you at the same time you can't justify that spend do you still want to talk about Katara which is going to the various buffets that we've had as now? much as I'm sure people were tuning in to listen to your bowel movements of, of because, misadventures at various restaurants because of Pizza Hut buffet <laughs> we've just spawned a whole new genre of podcast favourite buffet well, I, don't, I don't know if he'll listen to this my brother when we used to have Pizza Hut buffet one just because he was fussy and two to ensure he was eating the max amount of pizza, used to ask for an extra plate to put his crusts on. And you just have this horrible half-eaten crusts. It's pretty grim, but <laughs> look, he's also table. playing chess Well, the rest of us are playing checkers, though. Yeah, I don't know how many... Looking back, they should give you dips for the crust, like a little garlic and herb station. It's quite an odd thing locally that the Angel Chef Buffet had the sort of thing of like a, a Serbian film where it was sort of like, well, look, I'm going to watch this, but I'm not doing it for the right reasons. This is going to be horrible. So it seemed to be the same thing with the Angel Chef, where the more people said how bad it was, the more people seemed to go. Yeah, I think it was... I was going to say Jackie, maybe Langston. There was someone that was like gloating, telling me a story that they were going to the cinema and so took things from Angel Chef in their pockets. Oh, good God. I was going to say Langston, but it feels like more of a Harper thing. So maybe I've dragged them. feel very on brand for Langston. No, maybe I've uh, dragged them both down. good name. There we go. Um, (laughs) On to Qatar. (laughs) Back to Qatar. Let me just... That's that's 11 minutes. (laughs) I didn't even... (laughs) (laughs) You know how, like, uh, all these broadcasters are saying how, um, well, we are going to mention human rights abuses and stuff. Imagine they just segued through one of the analysis things and be like, Gary, best buffet you've been to then. So, oh, wow. I want um, Adrian Childs. <laughs> yes. I want him. <laughs> I want um, a thing of him and Garth Crooks. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. And I want them because I don't know if, if you see... Has Garth Crooks always been a scathing in his team in a week? Or is this no, a new thing? No, it's a recent thing yeah. where he's obviously Jacker, he's just had this awareness of, oh, people think this of me now. Yeah. I'm leaning into it. Like, I want him moving down the buffet. <laughs> and him saying, you know, those those uh, fries were great. <laughs> but it does really make you think because... If there's one thing I ate, it's a chicken waffle. <laughs> chicken or waffles or waffles. Potato waffles. <laughs> Going through the different potato products and saying what he just despises. I mean, those Adrian Charles headlines will knock you out at any time when they get brought up. You know, the ones, the articles he's written. Yeah. But the, why do people find it weird? I've got a urinal in my house. <laughs> will never do anything but floor me. <laughs> Every time I see it, imagine going to Saul's house. I've seen the urinal in there. Remember, every, every so often there's like a random Twitter page that will just post Keith Chegwin's old tweets. And he <laughs> yeah. just would post the type of jokes that only make you laugh. <laughs> yeah. But then you laugh that they're laughing at them. But anyway, um, <laughs> guitar, qualifying record. They didn't have to qualify, but they played them as friendlies. Mm. Uh, one, two, drew three, lost five, scored eight, conceded 23. Ouch. What people would find if they've actually watched anything of Qatar in the last weeks leading up to this tournament, they're actually quite an aesthetically pleasing side to watch. Like, like they, handsome or they play good football? <laughs> well, they, they play under a, a Spanish head coach in Felix Sanchez Bass. They move between a 4-3-3 and a 5-3-2. And they just have nice play. They're quick. I get the standards we were expecting were low and they just don't look like the worst teams ever play football. But <laughs> in terms of what they try to do, it's not the dirty low block punt it forward I would have expected. What? Was presuming because it's Carlos Quiroz, what we're assuming Iran are going to do, for yeah. example. I think people assume because yeah, are going to do similar. off on such a thing. Um, Never known someone who doesn't really have much of a managerial CV have such a reputation as a bastard of a manager. The thing that I somewhat admire with him is he essentially just quits every so often just knowing the same job is going to open back up for him. Pretty crazy, yeah. He's come back to around two or three times now. He's he's had a couple of international jobs where he just goes goes and does his yeah, thing. Yeah, obviously the Egypt job, didn't he? He made yeah. them a bastard of a team. <laughs> um, and who who thought the thing of, he was really the brains behind Fergie and he was going to go somewhere and take over. And it that year quite, at Madrid didn't, didn't quite uh, cut it for him. You wait, Pep Linders, when he takes over at City... Yeah. he's going to make them the one to watch their issue when you look at the goals they did concede they're fairly solid when they can get in their kind of mid block but when they have tried to be an entirely offensive unit they leave a lot of gaps which to be fair and it, it sounds very patronising but if you look at a side like Leeds who the whole thing was pressing, pressing, pressing. And we saw there that at the highest level, all it takes is one guy to not do the right thing and you can be cut apart. If you have far less footballers trying to implement the same game plan, it's just going to be less successful. And so you admire somewhat what they're trying to do. 
And yeah, you, you just have to wait and see how far they can get away with it. I think there's, we said about people being surprised by Canada. I think people may be surprised by Qatar, whether it yields the same results we're expecting potentially from Canada. I've already seen people saying that they've paid off Ecuador yeah, for the I first saw, game. I saw, I saw that as well. Come on, lads, give us a break. They might have, but come on, at least give them a chance. Let's have a look. Yeah. I saw a description of them and they said they look like a team coached by a Spaniard. So he's doing his job correctly. Okay. They look to build up through the thirds. It's, it's not like Canada where we said they're going to sit in and they're going to try and counterattack. They are trying the build-up play. They're going to try and work through teams and at a lesser level than the teams they were playing in qualification. It's 2021 Arab Cup. They finished third, but they ranked second for successful line breaks per game. They had the most switches of play. They're slow and intricate as opposed to deep encountering. What I did see, I don't know if you saw this, they were basically just invited to participate in all of these competitions against club sides and international sides. And they just spent the last however long just playing playing in these. In the Copper America. I feel like this feels like <laughs> hugely disrespectful to this competition. But I read that South Korea did the same in 2002. Yeah. And that's yeah. how they prepared for it. It worked all right for them. Um, yeah. So they've had a six-month-long training camp. Yeah, I, I was looking at it thinking they might have the opposite problem to most teams. You know, where we're coming straight in off the back of the yeah. I think some of these lads are going to be a little bit out of, um, not the same sort of sharpness. Yeah, since the 2018 World Cup, 38 of their 56 fixtures have been against sides ranked outside of the top 50 in the world's rankings. Which, you know, is that is that good? Because that's probably, some of those teams are going to be on their level, some are going to be a bit worse to boost your confidence. Some are going to be, in around your level so you are getting better no probably makes more sense than getting dicked by a it's really good team it's at least the way that you can implement a style, a style of play yeah and you can perfect it it's just whether then when you go and play like the Netherlands is it going to be a bit yeah. of a shock to the system so they have three wins three draws and 12 losses against top fi- top 50 ranked sides and that's not the worst that probably what you would expect the yeah. record to be isn't uh, it? Yeah. they were outscored 33-12 in those fixtures they have seemingly acknowledged where they need to make chances pay and they've done a lot of work on their set pieces and there was a thing on the athletic where they were breaking down their throw-ins which feels ridiculous but they were saying in the same way that you pass the ball in in basketball and you get people crossing over to try and create space they do that repeatedly where they do that to create space they throw it and then they'll immediately switch the ball and create space in that way and then they can build up in the in the opposing third just little things like that that's going to be it seems like that should be focused on set pieces again don't want to sound patronising but I'm always amazed that the arrogance of teams some top teams that probably should focus on it more but even like lesser teams than that kind of think they're like above working on set pieces almost in a way so I know you want to work on your style of play first and foremost and patterns of play but there's such a weapon if you've got someone I've been reading about that Hatem for Qatar, who I just saw described as a wonder of a left foot, and that's enough to get me intrigued. Yeah. But if you can have someone like that on a set piece, even if you don't have much else in terms of ability, that's an, that's an opportunity for you. Dead balls are an underused weapon, strangely, I think, in the modern game. Weirdly. I think arrogance is spot on because even... We're very guilty of Liverpool, for example. If, very guilty of at set pieces. It almost looks like we don't bother working on them. If you went back 10 recently. years 
and you told Arsene Wenger that Arsenal are going to be implementing long throws in 2022, he'd have turned his nose up at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've out. got Kieran Tierney and Thomas Partey, and they've explained that they literally do long throw drills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look at last season, the goals that we got from set pieces, the goals we've got from set pieces this season. And defensively, and I know Arsenal previously, I remember reading an article about them and they were just described as simply a bonus. It was just, this was just a chance to get the ball back into play. And it seems, I'm not saying Liverpool are that bad. I don't focus enough on your Only, only there's been uh, a recent trend where we're just, I'm nowhere near as dangerous from set pieces as we want. So it's kind of like, you want the, I'm not saying you've got to spend the week on the training and work on it, but you wonder how much, if there is much time being spent on it because... Well, we'll get about Qatar in a second, but it is all linked. Arsenal, Man City and Brentford all have set-piece coaches mm. and this is deemed a fairly newish thing. Um, it was a big thing when we had that throwing coach, wasn't there? Yeah. That was a big thing of, but everyone said, well, look, that's a marginal gain that you should so be looking into. Brentford are forever the guys that seem to be innovating. Yeah. And Nicholas Yeover, who's our set-piece coach, came from Brentford and City have just nicked Brentford's newest set-piece coach. You bastards. And City constantly pinch from Brentford. Um, I think we pinched their goalie coach as well to be fair so so Chelsea took the last member of staff from Brighton yeah, <laughs> just taking Stanley. everybody and that is a thing I think when people have seen the title races that, that you've had recently and I think fine margins aren't so fine anymore mm. and so people are really if we can get a couple of these fine margins boxed off it's going to help us in the long run and if I always use Arsenal as an example but Arsenal need everything they can do to even just, we thought going into the season, compete with Spurs, United, Chelsea. And so why would you go away from set pieces? Because the players, I'm sure, get bored doing the exact same thing constantly. Yeah. And so if you're around and you can do something where you're going to struggle to get out of your own half at times, but you have a switch of play that specifically comes in from probably relaxed marking at a throw-in, that's going to be a big thing. And I don't know how detailed the analytics are in international football. I don't know how much how much focus the teams in Group A are going to be given to Qatar. But all they need is a, a little thing just to keep themselves in the game and then they, they might, just see how they go. They might benefit from that, mightn't they? That not a huge amount of analytics to go on for them and that teams won't take them fully seriously because we haven't seen them do anything. Exactly. So. So you, you mentioned them, Hatem. Afif and Ali are the two players, they say, are the, the star men to watch. Um, Akram Afif, he set a tournament record with 10 assists and 26 chances created at the 2019 Arab Cup. All three goals he scored in the final. And he played for Xavi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Xavi said about him, there's no limits for this guy. Blimey. And that could be... The manager the to chat him up. Yeah. But... Almo's Ali, third all-time Qatar goal scorer, took the golden boot of both the Asia Cup and the Gold Cup. In the Asia Cup, he got nine goals in seven games, four goals in five at the Gold Cup, and he scored all thirteen of his senior penalties. So, I was yeah, because I was looking at it. Did he play them both up top? He um, Afif plays behind, right? Okay, but it may be the yeah. formation they're going to use. That yeah. they're going to be partners. Largely, the goals they score, they assist each other. Yeah, because when I was reading about them, I was thinking, if this is like a partnership, that could be a fun watch as well in terms of, you know, we know we don't tend to see too many partnerships nowadays. 
I saw that throwing routine and my first note I wrote was I'm picking them to come second. <laughs> that was enough. That was that's got you on board. You're so easily bought. We were talking yesterday. He said, could they be the new Peru? And no one's going to be the new Peru. It's, it's like when it, when an animal dies and someone says, why don't you get a new one? It's like, we aren't replacing them. We could get a new one. You can't replace Peru. I mean, what? but it's between the time we did the podcast and they played at the World Cup, their star striker was being arrested for cocaine trafficking, I believe. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen this time around. I feel like it's going to be a harsh punishment for him if yeah. he does. But it's certainly a team of minnows that if they go about this the right way, look, maybe you can get some done. Let's face it, as, as draws go, not the worst for them in terms of, with obviously the money situation at Senegal, we're going to do a Senegal podcast. The um, They're obviously slightly inhibited by that. And Ecuador, we don't really know. I've seen, I've only seen a little bit of them um, and it's unconvincing for them as well. So there's probably a, the second spot, if you're assuming Netherlands are going to do a job on the rest of them, could be up for grabs. Yeah, it's they've obviously improved significantly Qatar since they've got this, well, this World Cup because the whole thing was that how can it seem so bad? Get it? Because yeah, then what are we yeah. going to what are we going to do? They've obviously been working on improving that. It's just a case of is there a difference between no longer being terrible and actually being okay enough to get through? I, we were speaking. You're all in. I'm, I'm not entirely. I don't know if I'm putting all my chips on there that like you are. We were speaking at work about this, and if you remember when Qatar got the World Cup, the main thing was where the hell is Qatar? <laughs> I've never heard of Qatar. Like, that was a big thing in all the all the media. Was this is legitimately the first time I've ever heard of this place? Yeah, I think people, a lot of people thought it was maybe like a city or it was in Dubai or something like that. Didn't know it was actually its own independent place. I was reading a, an article about that actually, that also about how like the weight of expectation for this because of how long they've known they've had this and it's like coming, that these players are going to have grown up knowing I'm going to be playing this World Cup and how huge a thing that is going to be for them. Can that, can they live up to that? Or will that kind of bury them a little bit? Which it, the article very heavily suggests he thinks it will bury them. But Is there possibly a, a thing, and I know again, you're kind of skirting around a lot here, but as we said, um, is it possible that the expectations here are so low that we may look on this tournament favourably at the end because it, it could just, for it to over-deliver, it probably has to just be a pretty standard tournament. So you think if we just have a decent World Cup, then people will think this is really good because expectations it, are pretty low right now. If it runs smoothly and we get a couple of bangers. Yeah, Probably. Probably. The other thing with that is that, I mean, I hope you're right about Qatar in terms of how they play, in terms of being interesting, but also potentially that they can get through. Because one of my things with this tournament, aside from numerous other issues, is that it is always fun when the host can do well because it does add something to the tournament and the atmosphere. And until we've done this, I've been kind of indifferent to if Qatar do well. Because I feel yeah. like it won't make any difference to the tournament and the atmosphere, whatever, by them doing well. So I don't really care. My my thoughts on the atmosphere have actually got worse in the last couple of days because we've seen. <laughs> I knew there was paid fan groups going over because it's, the England one's been quite well publicised. Yeah. That the fan group from over here is basically being paid to go over and yeah. say what a great time they're having. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting. 
ultimately a month of high stakes football touch wood here it's hard to go too wrong because ultimately it's like when when the season's over bad football is better than no football and yeah at least yeah. this is something yeah it shouldn't be too hard to uh get everyone on board I don't think no a couple of bangers will get everyone going so up the guitar adios 